This is Changeling the Podcast. Welcome to Changeling the Podcast. Come for the glamour, stay for the vibes. I'm your host, Josh, and with us is your other host, Puka. Say hi, Puka. Greetings and salutations. What are we talking about tonight, today? It's very dark here. Same here. I mean, besides the fact that sunset is happening very early, it's just been really dank all day. Yeah. I, I, you may hear wind storms and rattling windows, listeners. And pouring rain from my side. Well, I have that too. But, uh... Ah, okay. Well, aside from all of that, we will be spending this episode talking about the final book in first edition Changeling, The Enchanted. Woohoo! So, I'll go on the record as saying this is one of my favorite books in the entire line, and mm-hmm. I don't regret that. I really like it as well. I, I'm not sure what my favorite is. I, it's like, there's a lot of books where I'm like, I really like this part and don't like that part. This book's pretty mm. solid, though. Yeah, I think one of the best things about it is how much it just kind of expands the scope of the game. And it doesn't rely on things like new mechanics, new systems, new splats, kind of Mm -hmm. the crunchy stuff to do that. It really narratively... Yeah. I mean, I said pretty solid. We'll get into, actually, my thoughts about the system as we go through it. Oh, yeah. There are still some flaws. (laughs) It's still a first edition changeling book. So, yes, this book was written by Steve Kenson. And I think only written by Steve Kenson? Yes. I mean, it's developed by Ian Lemke. I also can't think of anything else Steve Kenson has written. The name sounds familiar from something else, but I don't know. I mean, I'm not complaining or anything because it's a solid book, but mm-hmm. it's just curious. He wrote Mutants and Masterminds. That's where I've probably heard the name. Take it over his... Good for him. Yes, so he had success after making this book. It also has some beautiful cover art by Therese Nielsen and some beautiful opening chapter art by Rebecca Guay, and those are two of my favorite fantasy artists. So we start with the conceit of a letter home. I, I mean, this this chapter... <laughs> well, there's a twist. Let's, let's say that. <laughs> I found this to be the most legible handwritten text so far in a Changeling book. And it's not even that legible, so that's saying something. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously a font they used, but... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so... We have a letter from a girl to her older brother. Evidently, the girl is Kinane, and her brother might be. It's unclear. And she's apparently run away from home, and she's hanging out with fairy friends. And it's... I Going through this, kind of rereading it, I was going to say it's a really good entry point into the kinds of stories and the kinds of ideas that you can incorporate into a game about Kinane and the Enchanted. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is really... This is really cool and all of that. And then you turn the page (laughs) and then you have the response to her parents from noted Dante psychologist Anton Stark telling her parents, you did the right thing by bringing this to my attention. And it was just like, ugh. I think this could have worked with a different figure in a different profession who's an autumn person doing basically the same thing. But I guess they still needed that tie to the then current meta plot. Like, this isn't even... Like, you could have Child Protective Services, you could have a police officer, you could have... There's, there's all sorts of... Anyway. 
Well, and we have we've spoken before about how in the context of the 90s, when these were written, the state of mental health services was maybe not quite as advanced or accepting as it is nowadays. So like, yeah, but I think as it's presented in Changeling is the, I guess it's a dark goth punk reflection of the state in the 90s. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's important to remember. Yeah, again, I think you could do the basic idea. Yeah. Like taking away the psychologist, but I don't think autumn people are irrelevant now, but yeah. Anyway, then it talks about themes and moods. Mm -hmm. And what I love about this book is that just even in these like kind of throwaway paragraphs that probably a lot of people skip, there's some really interesting ideas. So I pulled out a couple of quotes where the introduction says things like the theme of this book is mortality and mortality is a source of hope for changelings which is not the kind of thing you probably ever hear around a changeling table. Most changeling players, I would argue, aren't there to explore mortality in the way that we usually think Mm -hmm. of it. So highlighting that is really interesting. And then it says, in a way, changelings are the immortal nature of humanity. They are the creative force that lives on after mortal life has passed. It's like, whoa, Mm -hmm. that notion of learning to become human as a theme that's something the game, I think, could use more of, as well as the mood being one of wonder and newness. I feel like, especially with veteran players, it's very hard to capture that sense of discovery that really should be, if not at the heart, at least close to the heart of most Changeling games. Mm-hmm. So using the Enchanted as a way to get into that, I think, is reasonable. I guess mm-hmm. we should also point out that this is the year of the ally book for Changeling. Mm-hmm. And... If I'm not mistaken, Year of the Ally was actually 1996, and this came out late. So, go figure. I know people on Storyteller Vault have sometimes tried to do year things. It's like, well, if you get your book out late, it's not that you're not. There's precedent. I mean, having having released a Year of the Tide book long after the contest had ended, I fully understand that. It's hardly ever Year of the Ally, though. It's more like Year of the Subordinate. Hmm. And frankly, the way some changelings treat their Canaan cousins, they're no exception to this. But anyway, yeah, this chapter also did highlight a, we're not going to get too much into C20, but I know some of our listeners have only done C20. And there was one little bit that caught me for a second that until I remember that uh, Kinane in this book do need to be enchanted to be enchanted. Like you actually have to enchant them. It's really easy and lasts a long time, but it is still necessary. Unless they have the parted mists fey gift. And what are fey gifts? We'll get to that soon. So that takes us into chapter, well, there's a more art, which I thought kind of nice looking. I think it's like two Kinane parents with a she child or something. Watching a dance party in the old timey highlands. Yep. They're like, go, my changeling child. Those are your people. I imagine that doing the chapter openers for this book is how she got the job illustrating the prologue for the second edition core book, which I'm going to talk about at length when we cover that. Yes. That's uh, that's for the new year, though. Yes, yes. Sorry, chapter one. Yeah, chapter one. Kith and Kin. So we get a history of the Kinane. Mm-hmm. A bunch of uh, heroes of legend were, pro- were probably Kinane. Typical White Wolf changeling history bit. Well, I will. It, it is good that they specifically called out Kukulin and Merlin, because in Celtic mythology, those two are specifically said to be half-mortal, mm-hmm. so... And there's others that sort of fit that too. It's kind of a vague history though. I mean, it's when you subtract the art from it, it's like barely a page and a half. Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of a general 
they have existed for a long time. Yeah. It says they were very important during the interregnum. And then the accordance were had them shunted aside by the Shi. There is an interesting point made that the shattering actually led to a rise in Kinane, since now the Kithane were stuck on this side of the barrier. Mm-hmm. So as they started incarnating and interbreeding, that's where the Kinane came from. And we yep. get actual percentage chances for the offspring of changelings okay. and mortals being Kinane. This is getting actually one issue I do have in this book. I found this paragraph with the percentages confusing. Like it says one thing and then it says something that kind of contradicts it. And you're like, wait, what? And I found that a lot in this book is it felt very readable. But if I sat down and tried to figure out what it's actually saying, I'd get confused. Did you ever have to do those Punnett squares in biology class for like crossings of genetics? I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Which are also not accurate, apparently. Yeah. But I imagine that's like, what this is trying to do like they sat down and made a punnett square and then tried to turn it into this paragraph and it just doesn't really work but it says it also ships skips a generation or two yeah and it's like okay so here's the percentages but they don't always apply i'm like that means those aren't the percentages like (laughs) that's not how percentages it's a recessive trait yeah but sometimes magic if they just said it's like not necessarily genetic but you have it in your fifth history i think they do that in later books but yeah being Kinane is like being blonde or having hemophilia. Mm-hmm. Except when it, the dream makes it skip a generation. Right. Oh, yeah. It also has Kinane are just as vulnerable to banality as Kithane, which was an interesting take too. Yeah. I mean, that's actually one thing which I feel like C20 doesn't really operationalize well in the sense that, yeah. I mean, both books kind of say, oh, banality is a problem for Kinane. But in C20, it's just kind of like, well, there's no mechanical effect. It's just a problem. And here it seems more like, you know, thought out. Yeah. I don't like what they made it do, but at least they made it do something. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One misstep, I think, in this chapter is putting the beginning tempers for characters. Because we do get a character creation section in chapter Mm -hmm. four. But here we have like starting glamour, willpower, and banality, depending on what age your kinane is. Because again, this yep. is before age was decoupled from seeming. And it's like, I'm going to forget that information by the time I get to chapter four. Yeah, it's it, from a reference document perspective, it's not good. Yeah. We have some descriptions of fairy marks, because unlike in mm-hmm. C20, kinane do not automatically inherit birthrights from their fae parents. And so mm-hmm. they kind of get physical signs of fairy blood. And behavioral to some extent, but um, yeah, they're pretty stereotypical in the way that you would expect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. And there's some also canane with like mixing and confusing things because they have multiple yeah. gifts in their ancestry, which works too. Yeah. Canane, we're told, have legacies rather than natures and demeanors like most mortal mm-hmm. folks. This gets into like Changeling as its own game versus World of Darkness as a game. Yeah. This definitely makes sense if you're playing... Like, I don't think anything talks about nature and demeanors, certainly not in first edition changeling, like anybody having. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I kind of like and don't like at the same time. I've never had as much problem with the nature and demeanor system as I feel like a lot of people have. I just find demeanor superfluous, personally. But Well, I can understand having the, the sort of social face that you present and mm-hmm. then the inner self that you keep to yourself. Yeah. But changeling kind of does away with that because... You don't have a separation between them. You just have your dormant side and your active side. Where uh, the social face I'm going to present is going to depend on the social situation. 
and there's no mechanics for the face anyway but that's a that's another yeah separate issue separate uh, issue oh they also talk in this thing about uh banali can extinguish canine heritage which is another yeah don't hook up with autumn people mm-hmm. one of the things that occurred to me while going through this book is that first edition as a whole has this habit of kind of throwing random mechanics in that don't really have much bearing on anything else and i actually mm-hmm. kind of love it so for example we get things like to enchant a canane, a changeling need only spend a point of temporary glamour and overcome the canane's banality by rolling his glamour against a difficulty equal to the canane's banality minus her level of fairy blood, minimum difficulty of two. Mm-hmm. That's a really complex equation for determining enchantment, but it's there in its entirety. It's packaged with lots of narrative material that frames it, and then we move on. And there's no, you know, there's no extended system for it. But I like that. I like I like having those disconnected mechanics as almost like the crystal at the center of this fluffy packaging. Mm-hmm. Or things like a successful Kenning roll, difficulty six, reveals if a character has fairy affinity. Oh, that's another thing too. The fairy affinity chart, that's a thing that does not get carried on necessarily in other games. You are not Kenning if you have fairy affinity. Those are two separate things, it says. Yes. I have specifically added that as a line in the recent Storytellers Vault supplement that I've been working mm-hmm. on. But it's, it pops up in other books too. I mean, little things like, oh yeah, by the way, the Slua can see ghosts if they roll this. Yeah, that was not in the first edition core. Or, oh, by the way, how Sabiel can sense Nefandi if they rolled this. Like, yeah. Or sometimes it says the Slua can talk to ghosts, but they can't see them without doing something else. So you hear them and then I'm like, ghosts can hear everybody. Why? <laughs> so this is just kind of an overview chapter that a lot of the material in it will be expanded upon in the rest of the book. Uh, I guess that's it for chapter one. Yeah. And yeah, Kinane are still subject to the mists. A few other things. It says many Dantane are Kinane as well in here. Yeah. Sometimes because the Kithane are jerks to them. Mm-hmm. Overall, I mean, there's this, there's this section on Kinane's status at the end where they're like, oh, you know, a lot of Kithane kind of snub them or pity them or their tools or allies i've always kind of seen changeling as being a little bit more respectful of its mortal Hmm. heavy air quote allies than the other games so it's a little bit disappointing to see them kind of get like the werewolf kinfolk treatment here i've yeah i don't know i always see i mean it does also talk about like for instance under high king david and concordia officially they're actually pretty respectful of kinane but under Kithane, think differently. I, I've always seen the Kithane as being, I don't know, I guess for Kithane, towards mortals, though, I definitely have thought of a lot of Kithane society yeah. not having. Yeah, and it's important to remember the distinction between the Enchanted and the Kithane, because this mm-hmm. book does cover both, as well as a couple other distinctions, which can yeah. get confusing. <laughs> and each of them is treated slightly differently. So Yeah, at least this doesn't talk about breeding. Besides that one little percentage. Yeah. There's no Concordian breeding program of Kinane. That we know about. Yes. No no described one. So then we move into chapter two. Yeah. And I think, is that, a, is that the, before the picture before that? Do you think that's a werewolf of fairy affinity? Mm, sure. I like it. We have an opening story that's a little bit peculiar. Mm-hmm. Mortal musician walks home at night. Random satyr assaults him. Random satyr requests riders on the storm. Just, you know. Mm-hmm. Typical changeling moment. I mean, it did read like, I have a whole book of fairy stories from Ireland. This felt a lot like those. Like, yeah, definitely. 
Definitely. That's the kind of thing. You know? It's this random story. You're like, what was that? Except for there's no moral at the end. That makes no sense. Yeah. Slightly uncomfortable picture on the next page. Um, I'm yep. not sure what's going on there. <laughs> yeah, that, that has thoughts over the years for me. Hmm. Although she's got pointed ears, I think, which is confusing. Yeah. So this chapter primarily deals with enchantment as the subject of a game, the different types of mm-hmm. enchantment that can occur, the different mechanics, the different narrative beats that one yeah. can hit with it. And and these mechanics I like, and even in my C20 games, it's like one of the few mechanics from before C20. I'm like, no, I, I like these mechanics. I want to keep Because they're not too mechanic-y. That's the thing. That's, again, yeah. like kind of what I was saying. I mean, so... And, and they're not too difficult to enchant someone that it's like why would you ever do that right so just as an example we get the section on tokens as a method of enchantment where Mm -hmm. you take a physical object and infuse it with glamour and give it to somebody by which they get enchanted and like i think the only specifically mechanical bit that we get is the line the kithane must prepare the token by infusing it with some of his own temporary glamour Mm -hmm. and then all of the other paragraphs are just kind of narrative pieces about what shape the object might take, how they might give it to the mortal, how the mortal might receive it, how the storyteller should handle that. And it's like, yeah. There, there was a fun, when I was running Changing LARPs, there was, and playing in Changing LARPs, there'd be a, occasionally we'd have somebody coming in as like a, some sort of non-fae NPC-ish, PC-ish, like somebody's like, oh, I want to try out this game or they're friends with the STs and they just want to, whatever, right? And there would be so much of this token stuff going on with players trying to basically get the person to accept an item or eat food or whatever that it was, it was like a little game of like who could, who could enchant the unenchanted mortal or prodigal or whatever. Nice. I mean, if it's a LARP, I imagine there are snacks and that's an easy way to, yeah, as long as you, well, they're going to have to be glamorous snacks. And then another change would eat, go and eat the glamorous snacks and annoy the bog and that made those cupcakes. And yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah, and they also talk here about how forced enchantment can go badly. Forced enchantment, for what it's worth, is disgustingly easy here. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, actually, no, it wasn't technically forced enchantment. It would have been token-based with dosing coffee, but still. Yeah, it's more the approach rather than the method. Yeah, and they do have this madness mechanic, which I'm like, I think I'd want to tweak that for using that, but I think it does serve a useful function of not don't just randomly enchant everybody all the time. there's a really good scene in the novel war for the oaks which we talked about in our inspirational novels episode where the protagonist gets enchanted for the first time and they do kind of describe what that would be like for mortals in this section and i think it's a really important element to include in that process Mm -hmm. you know it just it makes me think about when that occurs at various points in the various novels and such that i've read and i'm like yeah this is a really intense kind of story to tell not many changeling tables i imagine or certainly none of the ones that i've been part of go deep into the chrysalis like as the first session in a chronicle or as the prelude i guess to have your character actually role play through the chrysalis and the dream dance and all of that it's very similar in the sense that it's incredibly trippy and can go into nightmarish at the drop of a hat but for the changelings, at least, it settles down into, oh, okay, right, I remember my heritage now. Whereas for the mortals, it's just, it doesn't really get any yeah. easier each time. So Yeah, there's a lot of media that would have 
that could be used to sort of present a similar story to being enchanted where you're suddenly especially if you take out the whole what happens after with the mists i mean neverwhere or like or like anything with a hidden world john wick does it like it's it's (laughs) the matrix does it dr strange does it i mean it's a classic hero's journey kind of thing but rather Mm -hmm. than it just being a mundane turn of events that creates a call to action the call to action is itself the revelation of this ridiculous mm-hmm. world behind the world. So yep. it can be very jarring. But I'll point out also that paired with the madness section you're talking about is inspiration. So yep. two sides of the coin. Oh, for sure. I think, yeah, this this had a, it talks about like why you might enchant people. Mm-hmm. And the muses bit, it was interesting because I think later Changeling books, not just C20, highlights the danger of rhapsody from this but it doesn't really talk about it here and, but it did still try to be like don't don't just go enchanting on your the people you're musing like don't enchant your all your dreamers right the mortal love bit just had a paragraph that just made me scratch my head most rare are the stories of changelings who feel a love so great for their human partners that they willingly give up their fey natures in order to live together with them in the mundane world the changeling willingly passes his feymane on through the dreaming to another and becomes mortal forever after. These sacrifices make up some... I'm like, what? Yep. I, I read that and I think Steve Kenson was a Tolkien fan because that's Arwen and mm. Aragorn. That's okay. Precisely. Yeah. It's like if it was just they go through the mists and they forget, sure. But it's like passing on your... Like, this doesn't work in my head for changeling metaphysics. Yeah, I mean... There's there's a lot of things that are suggested here narratively without mechanics provided, which is kind of the inversion yeah. to what I was saying I love about this book. I don't mind that, but I know that a lot of people yeah. will read this and say, well, give me a system for it. Yeah, the system or the, I guess, well, not just the math, but yeah, the... The, the metaphysics, as you said. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but there was one line I just want to shout out for people like Charles who listen to the podcast. When it's talking about the madness section, whenever a mortal is enchanted, the storyteller should roll the mortal's banality against a difficulty of 10. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work as well as you might think. So then I think my favorite little um, section in here is that you can enchant beasts. I love like, that so much. That is absolutely 100%. Giving a doggy sweater to a dog. That's canonical in anything I do with Changeling. Yes, you can yep. do that. Yes, you can have an enchanted very best doggo. Yeah, and, and I love the like, yeah, the little doggy shirt, and it's or a, or a collar or something. It's an enchantment token. Yep. So when we spoke with Andrew before uh, for the release of Kids Book Dulahan, and we talked about the systems for fairy beasts, and and I think as I said on that episode, I've seen you know different homebrews of that idea over the years, but I like the idea that you could almost create animal canine if you had like two enchanted dogs who have puppies or something. <laughs> mm-hmm. Slightly less awkward breeding program. Uh, they have at one point in this chapter a mechanic, which for C20 fans, I think I'd recommend over Canaan or Immune to the Mists, subtract something like the fairy blood merit background from the mist chart is what it has here. Oh, I read out the equation. Yes. Yeah. So the, the basic mechanic for how long the enchantment of Canaan lasts is seven plus x minus y days where x is their rating in fairy blood and y is their mm-hmm. banality with a minimum of one day yep but i was thinking the mists after like what they remember and they're basically just yeah. so if you're been if your kinane's banality for 
but they have a fablet of three that remember basically everything. But if their banality is like eight, right. then they won't really remember much. Like that. I like that. Better than just they are immune, immune to the mists. There's information about enchanting supernaturals, although we don't get a rehash of the multipliers that we had. Yeah, more about Malkavians where I'm just like, uh, yeah, Garu are like Kinane kind of. Mages use Spirit and Prime to interact with Glamour and Chimera mm-hmm. in this edition. And then Wraiths. Okay. Yeah. Very little on Wraiths. Yeah. Oh, there's an earlier thing. Uh, oh, for werewolves. More thing on our Chimera spirits. In general, gifts that affect spirits also affect Chimera, provided Garu is able to sense the Chimera either with a gift or through being enchanted. I would love to see a Garu taught a read by a Chimera, which then becomes a gift. Yes. I think there are actually, in the early editions of Werewolf, there are some gifts that they say are taught by fairies, like before Changeling yeah. was a game and fairies were just kind of this nebulous... I think you should yeah. just be able to teach arts to like werewolves and they learn a gift. Yeah. A bridge too far, I feel. But... <laughs> Not that they learn the art. They learn a gift based on the art. They learn a cantrip. Yes, that too. That yeah, they learn and, and not the full cantrip, but like a narrow like like when you make a treasure. Yeah. The one thing that bothered me about this section, and this this I will get into the weeds of like the metaphysics and the system. They say the victims are taken into the freeholds until they become completely dreamstruck, whereupon they are dumped back into the world to be robbed of their memories by the mists. The entire effect is one of years passing in a single terrible night. Mm-hmm. So that's very much in keeping with a lot of the folklore but that line about years passing in a single terrible night is not borne out by any of the other sort of systems or descriptions we get even in this book even for the dream struck mechanics what do you mean so i'm i'm just kind of perplexed well so it says like they become completely dream struck which is a mortal specific condition that is like the equivalent to bedlam but the way it's described in here is like oh, the mortal is essentially in a catatonic state because they're trapped in yeah. their own happy dream world. It's not really a nightmare. Right, and that's very different from being stuck in a freehold. Similarly, the years passing in a single terrible night is like, that's not really how freeholds work either. So I'm just kind of left confused by it. I like it as a story. Well, I think, but... I think they meant like more, assuming they're not very, very low banality, they basically wouldn't really remember what happened for the past few years. Just be these vague impressions. I guess so. Uh, okay, so you're you're saying that it's a subjective single terrible night. Yes. Yeah. No. Other than actual length of time. Yeah. No. I, like. Yeah. So it's yeah. It's subjective. They have a memory of, like, they spent several years in a freehold, and it's several years past the freehold. Yeah. We're not assuming like dreaming time distortion, right? Right. But they don't have the. They're stripped of the memories by the mists, for the most part. So now they... But even then, like, the dreamstruck mechanics, I mean, I think it's, you have to roll once per month or something Mm -hmm. before becoming dreamstruck. So, like, I feel like it would happen a lot more quickly. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Okay. You want to talk about the probabilities of the dice math? Okay, that's a whole other... That being off? I I really don't. Anyway, I was just kept... I was left a little... I didn't run the numbers, but I'm just sort of assuming they're not from experience that they won't work. But... Yeah. Regardless, I was just kind of left a little perplexed by mm-hmm. that. Anyway. Yeah, oh, here it is on the next page. The storyteller should make a banality roll for the mortal for each month he is kept enchanted, difficulty eight. Mm-hmm. And then each failure, you enter the next threshold, while a botch means you yeah. immediately become completely dreamstruck. Anyway, dreamstruck. Yeah. It's a thing. 
I wish it was a different mental effect, but I'm not sure what, because it's just the person just becomes kind of spacey. It's kind of like they're marauders, except they don't reshape physical yeah. reality. But if a changeling were to enter their own little private dream realm, they're popping out chimera just like marauders pop out hobgoblins. But you can't so. really talk to them. Aren't they all like spaced out? And they're just like, they sleep. Yeah, but it says they're in their own inner dreaming. So presumably yeah. you, think it, you could get to them through the dreaming. Yeah, I think, I think I'd prefer it if they were a bit more active. Like they were still walking around. They were still yeah. talking. But you're like realizing they're off or something. Anyway. Yeah. If there were firmer mechanics about them popping out Chimera before they reach the third threshold, then maybe. Yeah. This actually comes down to me playing in a LARP with NPCs that were dreamstuck and going, this is not working. Yeah. It's kind of like that NPC from the Book of Storyteller Secrets Chronicle, the kid who was in the mental hospital yeah. popping out Nightmare Chimera, mm -hmm. except he was a changeling yeah. and not a mortal. Yeah, that part I'm fine with. Yeah. There's a lovely little section about ravaging. Mm -hmm. so, I was like, is this the first time we had ravaging? It can't be, right? It's probably the most thorough write-up that we've had so yeah. far. But this was in the core book, wasn't it? <laughs> it's just like a new set of rules for, like, it just a new description. Like, you didn't know what ravaging was, is how it read. Well, it's kind of like new systems for the mortal, mm. which is helpful. Yep. So saying, like, here's how much recovery time a mortal needs after being mm, ravaged, yeah. etc. How it affects a mortal who has glamour inside mm -hmm. them. How it affects any enchantment they're under. And then waking from the dream, what happens when the mortal wakes up from their enchantment? Mm -hmm. A lot of this, I think, has been translated into the second edition core book and mm -hmm. thereby the C20 core book. So things like how much they'll remember vis-a-vis -vis their banality level and the mists is kind of described in here. But there's no there's no table saying if you have banality sex you will remember this much. Yeah, which I I find that C twenty table handy, but we'll get to that eventually. Yeah, the risk with a table I always find is that you don't stop and think necessarily about its implications, mm -hmm. and so I like that there is this kind of fleshed out descriptive stuff. But I understand the mm -hmm. the facility of having a table at hand as well. Well, yeah, having both I think is the best of both. Worlds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ideally in the same book. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right next to each other, even. That would be good. Yeah, but then, then you end up with Mage 20th. Yeah. So, And then the chapter ends with some views on enchantment broken down by Kith, Court, and House, which I think is incredibly useful. Okay. Because if you want to say, okay, I'm going to introduce Enchanted Mortals and or Kinane into my game, I have five players. They are, well, it's only the nine core Kiths, but you can probably extend that to other see, ones. See, I find this to be people will read this and not and take it as face value without thinking it through too much. Because it's like of any of these kiths under any court, you're going to find examples that don't think this way. Well, sure. But I mean, yeah. you could say that about the kiths in general. Yeah. I mean, it's like the stereotype sections where you yeah. have to treat it as here is a representative of each kith and each court giving yes. their views yeah. on enchantment. Yeah, it's a, it's a starting place. Yeah, they're not unusual points of view. And they, I mean, they make sense. Like, Unsealy Redcaps love enchanting mortals, not for any reason to the mortal's benefit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Similarly, satyrs of either court. Yeah, but meanwhile, it says, like, Unsealy Knockers hate it. Like, yeah. Right. So it's weird to me that, like, certain groups are like, ugh, just don't even bother. Yeah. That's the thing. It seems like a Unsealy Knocker thinks this. 
So does N. Ancelia Puka, apparently, but who can tell if that's true or not? Mm-hmm. And notes about the five Seely houses. Obviously, Fiona and Liam are the ones who are most pro-mortal. Mm-hmm. And that rounds out chapter two. Yeah, and then we have a dead person picture. Yeah. Actually, this gets very much into a book that you did that we interviewed for. Yes. Well, so this chapter, I think, is the most useful. I mean, how many pages is this? 20, 21 pages. Perhaps the most important 21 pages from all the first edition outside of the core mechanics, I think. I think every player should read this chapter. I find this to be a very good chapter in the wrong book. <laughs> it should be in the core book, frankly. Yeah. I mean, Or the player's guide or... Yeah. yeah, and some of it did get distilled into future books, but mm-hmm. essentially, you know, you have a complete and thorough write-up of each seeming, each age bracket. And even though, once again, age and seeming have been decoupled in C20, this chapter so thoroughly covers both sides of each of the three stages that mm-hmm. you go through that it's still incredibly useful. There, there is one little bit uh, for the childling description, of the childling description, that is about morals that I think is I love and I is another one of these I think it should be in every edition of Changeling and should be carried through is children are the most in touch with the glamour and the dreaming even mortal children often have a low enough banality to see and interact with the things of the fairy realm yep I think children should be able to play with their imaginary friends and those imaginary friends are sometimes actually chimera like I think that's just it doesn't require special reads on the chimera's part or any of that I like that. Absolutely. There's also this undercurrent that is a very delicate one, but the message that I take away from it is like too much escapism is a bad thing. Mm -hmm. And that manifests through talking about lost boys in the Peter Pan sense or Mm -hmm. notes that like if a changeling doesn't get saned either because they just have bad luck or they refuse, then they slide into bedlam because they can't take up their Mm -hmm. true names. So that returns to the theme of balance that runs through the game mm-hmm. at every level. The balance is also depending on your age and where you are and what you're doing. Yeah. Well, specifically for the, the childling expression of mm-hmm. it. Yeah. A two-year-old is a two-year-old, right? You, there's no such thing as too much escapism in your two-year-old. I don't think. Well, yeah. We get information about fostering and saning and the toglananam. Mm-hmm. I love that they just throw in these random Gaelic phrases. Do, do, are, are they correct Gaelic phrases for what they mean? Like, does it make sense? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So it says, you know, Toglananam means raising up the name. And it says Old Scots Gaelic. To my knowledge, it's modern Irish Gaelic as well, but sure. Oh, they're pretty related languages from my understanding. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, literally, it's the raising of the name. So, And anyone with Kenning can roll Perception plus Kenning difficulty four to notice a Kithane who is nearing the time of their next Togol, mm. which is kind of cool. Again, random mechanics just thrown in. Yep. And here's the bit about never growing up again. So, yeah, there's just, there's a lot to love in this chapter. The Wilder chapter has, like, a huge sidebar on all the different types of quests you could do, which, if you're a storyteller in an emergency, just pull something from this page. And then arguments for why Gisa are handy. Certainly from a storyteller point yeah. of view, when your players don't want to do what you want them to do. <laughs> well, it, but it doesn't just say that, right? It's just, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, implied. Yeah. But it also kind of, I like how it examines these things from every angle. Because mm-hmm. like, if you have characters who are going on a quest, 
you can say, you know, all right, well, they're going to take this oath to get these benefits and they have to go through these 10 steps to meet their goal and whatever. But then there's a note like, oh, a changeling who's on a quest receives special consideration from the escheat in regards to the right of hospitality. Mm -hmm. That's something which players might not think about, and even storytellers might not think about, like, oh, we need a place to rest. It's like, oh, well, here's a reminder that any freehold is dreaming compelled to help you out. Yeah, that's something I've, I, what I remember and I like doing as a storyteller when my player characters have freeholds. Okay, mm-hmm. now you have a house guest that you didn't expect. Yeah, whom you wish to stop. But it's following the rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does mention under politics that High King David is himself a wilder. And I'm like, I was doing some math. Yep. Like that. <laughs> no. Um, unless he's spending a lot of time in freeholds, which it doesn't really fit his personality either. No, I don't think so. He's been a wilder since like at least the early 80s. So, yeah. You this know. goes back to like, I think there's one picture somewhere. I can't find it. Where High King David, instead of being drawn with that weird mustache, looks like David Bowie. And I'm like, okay, that made sense that if he's actually david bowie yeah. it all makes a lot more sense to me yeah i actually really like the grump section because people mm-hmm. very rarely want to play grumps and they kind of think oh well how am i going to do this whatever and i have to say i'm gonna i'm gonna show my teacherliness here for a second sometimes when you see the youth discover things and learn things and grow as people it can absolutely be one of the most glamorous things out there Mm -hmm. and i know i I don't know if as a parent you have that perspective as well but oh yeah yeah running changeling for my kids even like yeah but just parenting in general yeah i forget if i mentioned this anecdote on this show before but one of my proudest moments as a teacher was when a student told me that this was a student who i had had the previous term and at the start of this following term we had had a conversation and they said you know i just wanted to let you know that your class last term on queer media helped me come to terms with being trans. Hmm. And now I feel comfortable identifying that way. And I was like, I'm not crying. You're crying. So like Mm -hmm. there, there's something unbelievably fulfilling about having had that role of mentor. I mean, granted (laughs) those are few and far between, but you know, it's still, it, it kind of makes it worth it, you know? And so for people who are saying like, oh, it's so boring to play a grump or it's so boring to do like a family game or a mentor game. It's like, there's, there are I've moments. I've had great you know? times doing that. Like I recommend actually yeah. like, if you don't have another structure for the Chronicle, go with your all family. Like, I think that works. Yeah. Great. Because like, then you can just play whatever weird character concepts. And it's like, why are these people tolerate still around each other? They're family. They have to, yeah. they, there's a lot more uh, impetus to stick together. And I will also say that's one thing I dislike about the change in C20 about separating yeah. age from seeming because in the earlier editions, that motion is in one direction. Yeah. And by complicating it and saying, oh yeah, you can go back to an earlier seeming. It's like you kind of undercut a lot of that, a yeah. lot of those ideas, a lot of those stories. My thing with the, the system before C20 was not like I think tying it to age was fine. My problem was well, for one thing, teenagers in early twenties the same. I can see why that was uncomfortable for some people, right? Like there's some sexual yeah. themes and stuff in Changeling, and it's like, well, you have childlings, and then like half the Wilders are still children, right? But besides yeah. that, like 
every millennial's now a grump. <laughs> yeah. So, like, if you think about, like, okay, you have a 26-year-old, and they're in the same life stage as a 70-year-old. I feel like there needs to be more stages somehow <laughs> or something. Well, and now they might not even be in the same stage because now a 70-year-old yeah. can be a child. Like Yes, but I think if you were going with the other, the old way, which I think has advantages, I think it, it just needs more... I think it needed tweaking and nuance and maybe more stages or something. But As, frankly, so much of Changeling and all role-playing games do. Yes. But that in particular, especially now that, like, I'm 41. A lot of the people I play with are late 30s, early 40s, right, when I'm not playing with my kids. Mm-hmm. If you have the old Changeling... Like the older version of Changeling, you hand it to us. For, like I hand it to somebody who's a new gamer. They're like, why would I play this? This is not for me. They, they say like almost nobody's a grump, right? Yeah. In a way, I mean, being being the age that I am, I shall remain mum on it for this episode. Younger than 41, I'll say that. Mm-hmm. There are definitely days when I feel like a wilder mm-hmm. and days when I feel like a grump. Yeah. And there are moments when I feel like a childling. Mm-hmm. But just moments. I mean, I think I, I, think I grew out of childling pretty early on. <laughs> yeah so. i feel like i because because i was exposed i i started playing changeling when i was like 18 right and yeah i'm well that's a long time ago how i think and i've been thinking about the seemings and who i am and whatnot and yeah, it is different for me now right mm-hmm. but i do think also like yeah grump is for one thing way too broad a brush yeah to stick everything in it's like, well, what about empty nesters or people who don't have kids, right? That's very different from people who do have kids, at the, the young yeah, children. Or the life begins at 40 crowd. Yeah. Well, I know a lot of those. I know a lot of life begins at 50 crowd. So it's... There you go. Anyway. Yeah. Then we get some paragraphs on death. So... Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the rituals and the wakes and the funerals surrounding it, which, again, tremendously helpful for anyone running a game. Mm-hmm. One of the other things just in general about this book is I love the epigraphs. Like there's so many scattered through all the chapters and sections and all of them are just, we have everything from LA story to the tick to Tasha Yar to V for Vendetta to bumper stickers. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm here for it. Yep. This also gets into like undoing where it, at first it makes it sound like, cause some books will talk about undoing as like being the same as being killed with cold iron. But this one actually says, yeah, you do reborn and stuff. Yeah, I'm cool with that. The, the undoing where the it's like too harsh, where it's like there's a very good chance your character will not reincarnate. I don't like that, but I like this one. We do also have the various theories about she death spelled out, which is kind of nice. Mm-hmm. I mean, just a solid, solid, solid chapter overall, though. Mm-hmm. And it's the kind of thing with like, I wish that there were more games that really were centered around this kind of thing, like. I get that people want to go out and slay dragons and do whatever, but I would love to play a game that's on an extended timeline where each Mm -hmm. session kind of unfolds over a long period of time. Like rather than have a session be a single night at the manor, maybe it unfolds over the course of a month and Mm -hmm. you kind of describe week by week all the processes of like raising a childling or the various kind of structures that you build as a wilder or the strategies you take on as a grump to fend off undoing Mm -hmm. or the wake you have to plan for someone who's passed away. All of those kinds of social things that make up the fabric of Kithane society. 
because as a game, and I know I've said this before, and this is an episode topic that per the poll in our discord, I think we'll probably have to come back to soon. Mm -hmm. The idea of kinship is probably stronger in changeling than with the possible exception of werewolf and the other world of darkness game. Mm -hmm. And I would say werewolf, the inflection of it there is too close to vampire for my liking where it's more like tribal than, than actual like building bonds and sharing ordinary social moments with people. Mm -hmm. So those exist in such a nuanced way in changeling, but I feel like they're not highlighted enough. And this book really cranks it up to 11, which I like. and that is something I did find in LARP, like ongoing LARPs. Yeah. Did a better job of, partly because I found in tabletop, like you're talking about like stretching out one session over a month. Uh, most tabletop is both running and playing. Time gets so compressed and you're like, we've been playing for a year of games and it's now the second week. Right. Like, yes. <laughs> well, in most yeah. LARPs, if they do that, it's, it's, it's LARP time usually is one-to-one. So it's like, the time in between the sessions, like if it's a month in between sessions or a week in between sessions, it's a week or a month in between sessions in game two. That can help a bit. I mean, you're still not going to get, you'd have to have like a very long game to have a character go from a young child to an adult. That doesn't happen, but yeah. Which I like. I mean, Mm -hmm. I, I, you've talked up LARP Mm -hmm. on, on many occasions and and I do want to try it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And if you can also get like more people, like if you have like 20 or 30 players, one yeah, of the characters yeah, yeah. dies, everybody has a funeral. That you can't do that type of thing. In a... I imagine it's simultaneously a lot easier and a lot harder to run a LARP in the era of smartphones. I don't know. Yeah, I haven't run any, and I've only played on, like, I haven't played in any ongoing LARPs in the era of smartphones. It's, yeah, it's interesting questions, and there aren't, from what I can tell, useful apps that would really help that much with mm-hmm. it. So. Like, I keep picturing, oh, imagine if you had, like, all this money for development. You could do, like, AR with chimerical reality using, like, face things. I'm like, but that's, <laughs> I can't do that all that myself. And that that's a lot of developer time <laughs> to make it. It's possible. Yeah, that might be excessive. Yeah. <laughs> but it'd be amazing. Imagine that. Like, yeah. you just pull it out. And you see. Anyway. Changeling Go. Yep. And you really could, given the number of kits nearly corresponds to the number of first generation Pokemon. You really could try to catch them all. Well, I'm just thinking using something like a Snapchat filter for the chimerical, like the fame main. That too. Yeah. Back to the book. Um, So yeah, chapter three. Awesome. Mm -hmm. And then we get chapter four, which is where the crunch lives. Mm -hmm. This is the, the crispy layer after all of the nougat. Yeah. Kinane are built like the, what's the term people use? Half splat. (laughs) The, you know, they get the six four three. Well, mortals. I mean, yeah, the, the six four three eleven seven four breakdown. Yeah, it does say fifteen freebie points here, but then later on it implies twenty one, which is the standard yeah. for mortals. So, yeah, yeah. It's a... One thing that I did find confusing here. So, I mean, they kind of just describe. Oh yes, they have legacies, they have abilities, etc. Mm-hmm. The important part here is the backgrounds, though, because the fairy blood background, which every kinane mm-hmm. starts with a free dot of which isn't mentioned on the first page, but is mentioned in the description of that background. The fairy blood background, correct me if I'm wrong, it determines both the number of other fey backgrounds you can take, Mm -hmm. but then also the number of fey gifts you can have, which are separate. Yeah, but not points of fey gifts. Right, just numbers. (laughs) Yeah. 
So, so you know how some people who play, say, Vampire the Masquerade, and they say that Generation's too overpowered, right? At least. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I just show them Fairy Blood. You're like, no, it's, it's nothing compared to Fairy Blood. This is the. <laughs> you should yeah. if you're playing, if you're thinking I'm from a math standpoint or whatever, you should be putting four freebie points into your Fairy Blood. Yeah. So then the backgrounds are divided between Fey and Mortal. So you can have a Chimera Companion. Mm-hmm. You can have Dross which is helpful because they can't recharge Glamour on their own, except if they do Rapture, but separate discussion. You can have a Fairy Mentor, or you can have... So my favorite is Fefiada, which is basically Arcane, which I like. And Kenning, which functions like a talent, but is a background. (sighs) Yeah, that's... So... Kenning one. But also makes you wonder, if that's the case, like... So there are templates in the back of the the back of the book and kenning is still listed under talents yeah. for, so it's a little confusing <laughs> that i think if you just what i like about that bad mechanic is the solution is just to erase it the two paragraphs and the little header and then you're fine so that works it's still unclear to me though yeah so fairy blood determines the number of other fae backgrounds you can have which I guess makes sense because there are five other ones so if you have mm-hmm. fairy blood five you could take all five or is it a cap on the number of dots you could take in any number of other backgrounds. Uh, let me just double check. Which would be separate from how Fae Gifts works. Where are you getting that from? So on page 69, under Fae Backgrounds, it says, the number of Fae Backgrounds a Kinane may have is dictated by the number of dots she has in Fairy Blood Background. It then says, no Kinane may have more than five uh, gifts. and talks about. Does that include Fairy Blood? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. It's it's not clear whether it's the number of backgrounds you can have or the number of dots you can have in each background. Mm-hmm. We also have mortal backgrounds of allies, fame, and influence, which is a reminder that, at least in first edition Changeling, Changelings were not allowed to be famous or influential. Despite there being examples of famous Sheehan. Or could have allies. <laughs> yeah. But all of that confusion aside, we then get to my favorite part of the mechanics in the entire book, which are the Fey Gifts. Mm -hmm. Love it. Yep. I think this is one of the important reasons why they needed that sidebar saying that other, like, you know, mages or the prodigals can't be Kinane because if they got this combined with being a prodigal. Right. Yeah. That being said, I mean, the mechanics in C20... I'm really, I was kind of disappointed that they essentially just made it, oh, you get some arts. Mm-hmm. I get why they did it, but I'm still disappointed by it because each yeah. of these is inventive and suits a mortal, mm-hmm. suits a kinane, you know? So we start with Andachyala, which is the spirit site where you can see and hear Kimura and the Feymin of any changelings in the vicinity, but you still have to be enchanted to interact with Kimura. Mm-hmm. There's the Bardic Gift, where each dot that you put into it uh, allows you to learn a strain of emotional manipulation, basically, that you perform through songs, speeches, etc. You have FIFA, which is you can call upon the mists at will, which is pretty awesome, especially as a mortal. Then Honored Birthright. So in the earlier editions, Kanane didn't automatically get the birthrights of their Mm -hmm. parents, and this is the gift that allows you to do so. Then one of my two favorites, Nine Lives, where you can essentially chimerically die nine times. Yeah. Which is fantastic. Parted Mists, which is exactly what it sounds like. 
Yeah. And my other favorite, which is uh, Riestra, which is the warp spasm of Irish mythological fame that Cúchulain possessed. So it's a battle frenzy kind of thing. Then Second Sight, where you can foretell the future. Spearman's Shield, which is basically chimerical fortitude. Then two that I'm actually happy they separated. So there's Taurm. I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce it. But I think it's Taurm. You can call on the spirits of the dead and speak to them. And then Teicher. I'm not sure how to say. Some of the Gaelic is tough to pronounce sometimes, mm-hmm. unless you know how to say it already. Where you can see them, but not speak to them. So what I like about this is because in a lot of traditional lore, necromancy is actually divided up like that. Mm. Where you can either see ghosts or hear ghosts, but not both. And sometimes, I think it's actually in the Old Testament, if I'm not mistaken, there's the idea that a necromancer can summon a spirit and can hear them and talk to them and channel them, but only the person they're summoning for can actually see the spirit. Mm-hmm. And that's like biblical plot point. So yeah. I don't know if that, if the Tauraman, uh, I'm going to look up the pronunciation of these later. I don't know if that's something which is represented in Irish lore or something, and that's why it's here. But yeah. And then Weekend Mists, which is just the, you know, lesser cousin of Parted Mists. Yeah, and Parted Mists being what C20 can all get. So they, they sort of get yeah. two powerful gifts automatically. Ten points of gifts. Part of my gripe about C20 Kinning. Yeah. One of my many gripes about C20 so <laughs> Here's a thing that's they talk about in this book how Kinane may operate more freely in the mortal world, right? Including like getting extra back and stuff. Sure. I don't really see why they do. They're just as vulnerable banality. Most of these gifts are useful for the chimerical world. I don't know. It, it doesn't feel like Kinane actually do have as much stepping between two worlds or being more part of the mortal world than the Kithane? Well, I suppose in the sense that even though they are sensitive to banality, it's not like they're going to lose a piece of their identity permanently if they mm. soak up too much of it. Yep. And I think that's the distinction. Yeah. And it even says, for most Kinane, the biggest problem of growing banality is the deepening of the mists. Yeah. So they might forget their experiences with the Fae and enchantment. They won't forget who they are. Although they are supposed to eventually at some point unclear where too much banality would make them lose being Kinane. I would imagine once they get to autumn people yeah. level. Anyway, I love Fae gifts and mm-hmm. I wish oh, that I they had been carried over. <laughs> yeah. This Unless. is, this is one of those books. There's a lot of, not everything, but there's a lot of pieces in this book. I would highly recommend for your C20 story, for your C20 storyteller. Yeah. We'll get to the end of the book, but I think you should get this book if you're a C20 storyteller. And they translate very easily into like supernatural merits. Yeah. We do then have a section on merits and flaws and yeah. which ones are appropriate to take or not. The, the enchanted blood flaw is kind of hilarious to me. Yeah. I, I have this in my notes. I would love to run almost like a Buffy style basic hunter game mm-hmm. where each character kind of has like one little tiny gift that Mm -hmm. makes them well suited to kind of combat one type of supernatural. So like the vampire hunter should have the hallucinogenic blood, you know? Yeah. So we have, yeah, we have, are these all, they're all flaws, right? There's no new merits. Correct. Well, cause they're, they're fairy marks. Mm -hmm. So, and I find ravaged. I don't think this should be a two point flaw. I think that's too many points for what it does, but yeah. I, I mean, it's partly a social flaw, I would say. Yeah. 
undoubtedly you'd have bitterness and post-traumatic stress from mm -hmm. having gone through that experience. And then we're told that Kenyan can learn cantrips. Mm -hmm. So they do have to learn from a changeling teacher or mentor. Mm -hmm. I assume they just spend the same. Well, however it is Kithane learned from him. <laughs> yeah. Well, it says you can spend freebie points to learn the arts and realms, but then like, are the experience costs the same? I'm not sure. So yeah, I think, I think you just have the cap of your fairy blood background. Yeah. I will acknowledge that C20 at least does a better job of explaining that mechanic. If you're mm -hmm. going to allow Kinane to have arts and realms, mm -hmm. spell it out how it works. Yeah. But yeah, it's good crunchy bits. And then we have a picture of an artist, I think. I'm not sure. Yes. And chapter five, storytelling. Pretty straightforward. The yeah. types of stories you can tell with the enchanted. I think the first bunch are pretty nice because they kind of give you different angles about how to use really a mortal. I mean, it says mm -hmm. enchanted roles, but really what it's talking about is how to position the mortals that your characters are associated with and importantly, how to change the roles that they have with respect mm -hmm. to the changelings. So how does enchantment permanently affect a mortal's attitude towards their changeling child, friend, spouse, classmate, whatever? Yeah. This does have something in the madness. There's an enchanting complications madness section. It's basically saying there are problems with the rules that are in this book for madness. Is what it's implying. You need to tweak it for your game. And I'm like, well, why did you write them that way? If you're going to, it's the same author. It's just one author writing one book. There's a few moments when the book kind of gets away from itself. And it feels like it was a couple different drafts that got splodged mm -hmm. together. But this in particular, it's like it's it's like he's criticizing his own book <laughs> in the book. Yeah, well, there's similar stuff about the roles that Kinnan can play. Yeah. Antagonists is probably the most interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, here it says that they're not Dante, but they work with Dante. So it's like, what's his name? The goth guy from Autumn People. Yeah. Or actually, I don't even think he was Kinnan. I think he was just enchanted. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's a little bit of a rehash from stuff earlier in the book, but I think one of the most useful story aspects to explore um, on page 89, he goes a bit into prejudice. And I actually really like that as something to kind of maybe not hit players over the head with, but like once in a while flag, you know, because if you have Kinane and mortals in your game and your characters are treating them like crud, it's like, hmm, this is something that we can maybe hold players' feet to the fire a bit about. Mm -hmm. I think most players would like to think of themselves as non-prejudicial people, but Kithane presumably can sometimes be that way without even intending to. Yeah. So highlighting that is an interesting take. And then we have some options for Kinane Chronicles, my favorite of which is probably Rebellion, although I wouldn't use the actual suggestions that they have mm -hmm. here. Yep. Although that being said, now that I'm saying it, I'm realizing that's basically Changeling the Lost. So. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. You could do Changeling the Lost as an enchanted game. Or Canadian. Nope. And we get up some characters. Uh, yeah, this section, it's True Thomas and everybody else for me. True Thomas. Like, True Thomas is the only one I care about. Which is not a criticism, but True Thomas does raise some questions uh, regarding the she and. Because yeah. he physically goes with the she to Arcadia and then comes back with the resurgence and just like comes back physically. Yep. 
I mean, who needs metaphysics? I actually did like Amanda DeFleur in here. Which one was she? She's the army one? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't have problems with any of them. I yeah. just didn't really find any of them very interesting, except True Thomas, mm-hmm. probably because A, he's well represented in folklore and legend, and B, we get so much else about him yep. elsewhere in the game. He's line. tied to the metal a lot. A lot. Yeah. yeah. He, he's, by the way, the the most politically powerful kinane in all of Changeling society by far, I'd say. Yeah. Oh, abs- I mean, outside of this book, I don't think I can name another kinane mm-hmm. in the entire line. Yep. He's the only one that gets like regularly named. So yeah, and he's almost like you could think of him as being like if they made him, I don't know, dice or something. He'd be like, oh, this guy's too powerful. But he's like a kinane. I think it works. I almost prefer some of the template characters, which I don't think I'd oh. ever say. <laughs> but I do actually like these mm-hmm. these characters. What do you have a favorite of these? I like actually I do like these too. I think my favorite is the Invisigoth. Yep who's just, you know, classic gothy teenager, but she can happen to see and talk to ghosts because she has both Tarim mm-hmm. and Tesher. Mine would be the Rip Van Winkle. Although I think I'd like him even better if he was an enchanted, just an enchanted character, but mortal only, not not Kinane, but... Yeah. I also like the alternative bard who has Bardic Gift 5, which he expresses through, like, avant-garde performance. Yes, that is great. But I mean, overall... I don't know. It's It says something that the templates are more interesting to me than the mm-hmm. supposed canonical characters we're getting. Yeah, that is that is so rare in any. Yeah. And it's all written by the same person, too. So. Yeah. And then we get the ad. So I have no ad in my PDF. Oh. In my book, well, I have the ad for dreams no mortal ever dared to dream before. And graffiti. Rat. Unsee the Glamour Boys, Chimera at, Kill. At the intersection of Pangea and Narnia, there's a big, there's a dragon head sticking around and a puka childling. Waiting for the bus. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it's puka childling. I think it's like a, I think in turn when mm. I see this puka. <laughs> oh, maybe it's. I mean, he's fairly tall. So. Yeah. There are knee pads. Are those knee pads? I believe so. Okay. I think I was seeing the shorts or something. I don't that. Yeah, you're right. I think you're right. I mean, if you look at the fire mm-hmm. hydrant on the side. Anyway. <laughs> So yes, Changeling the Dreaming, second edition, available in August, beyond your wildest dreams. So I already said this, but uh, overall thoughts on the book? It's one of my favorite books because it's so rich for story ideas. Mm-hmm. And the systems are almost incidental to the material. And it fills a niche that was so mm-hmm. necessary in the game. Because this is this is like, what, the 20th book that was produced Mm -hmm. and the fact that they got that far without even really once talking about the mortals is kind of astonishing so they talked about the mortals that happened to be psychologists (laughs) and those (laughs) those parents who just didn't understand yeah i guess the autumn people were there too that was the other side of mortals yeah i think this is certainly of the first edition changeling books if you are a c20 storyteller the most useful one today in its entirety definitely yeah I wouldn't use it uncritically, but there's a lot in here I think it's very good for games run today that isn't covered in C20. Yeah, it's definitely a book that I think is useful for everyone, although it will be more useful for people who actively want to include mortals and themes surrounding them in their game. But I think it's still useful for everybody. There are other books where individual chapters I would still point to. Like I think when we talked about the player's guide, Mm -hmm. I said... 
you know, that one chapter on Kith perspectives is still phenomenally useful yep. even for C20 players. But as an entire book, I think this one is really yep. hard to beat when it comes to first edition. And it's also something where I think, like personally, the more I'm thinking about it, the more I'm like, I think I'm going to lean on this more than the bits that C20 does cover. I might lean on this book still yeah. more than what C20 says. Yeah. I understand why they simplified the systems for C20 because yeah. it was just like a section in one of the appendices. Sure. But, but the what they simplified it to, right. <laughs> like I could take this and simplify it and, and I think it would be better. It could yeah. be better than what's in C20. I dig it. Yeah. So we have some listener questions. Did we want to? Indeed we do. Yeah. Um, so Fetch asks, are there any notable dreamers in the setting? We don't really get dreamers per se. Mm-hmm. Because I think it's important to remember that dreamers need not be Kinane and they need not be Enchanted. That being said, if we're talking about Kinane and Enchanted specifically, I think the short answer is, besides True Thomas, no. At least that's my perspective. <laughs> and and that bard. Well, right, yeah. I mean, generic ones, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, the generic ones are quite interesting and notable, mm-hmm. so populate your games with those. Yeah, but he, yeah, he, the alternative bard would make an interesting thing, someone to try to muse. Free Derp 92. What is your opinion of the powers Kinane could have? I like it. I think uh, there's a few little tweaks needed, maybe, but I think it works pretty good. I like the fairy gifts just like you do. Uh, I might expand with more fairy gifts, come up with other ideas, but. I think one of the other things I like about the fairy gifts is that they're non linear, mm-hmm. or some of them are non linear in the sense that it's like, you just have this gift mm-hmm. and it's not, oh, I need to spend experience to build it up. It's by the way, you can enter a battle frenzy. Yeah. So I like that as a different dimension. It's more buffet style character building rather than like advancement. Yeah. And that gives it a slightly different feel. Mm-hmm. So I like that. And I, I think it's more interesting than just giving them arts and realms. Yeah. I think also having the option of arts and realms, like sure, sure, sure. you can make a Kinane that doesn't have arts and realms, or you could make one that does. And I like that. Right. But if you make one who doesn't have it in C20, then you've basically just got a human with a birthright. Well, a permanently enchanted human <laughs> into the mists. <laughs> but yes. Still. Sanchiger asks, Kinane, great half splat or greatest half splat? What are the biggest drawbacks? So thinking about the other half splats, I don't know enough about mediums to really make any comment on them. Their kinane are certainly better than kinfolk. Yep. And I would say certainly better than ghouls. Sorcerers are the only ones where I think they might have a run for their money because I think a lot of the same themes apply to sorcerers. Plus, sorcerers have the benefit of diversity and how they get their powers and how they associate with each Mm -hmm. other. So you have sorcerers who are family-based and bloodline-based. You have sorcerers who are culture-based. You have sorcerers who are almost like political organizations. Sorcerers is like the way sorcerers is done. Like Kinane are a adjunct to changing the dreaming. Sorcerers, they do get put under mage, but that's almost like its own game is, is how. Yeah. And there's a lot more material for them than there is for Kinane. Yeah. I also prefer Kinane to Dompiers, but I have a soft spot for Dompiers, even though I'm not a big vampire fan. <laughs> Do you mean the revised vampire version or the Kindred of the East version? Uh, revised vampire version. All right. Groovy. <laughs> I want to play Blade. There we go. There you go. Yeah. Well, I'll even say 
this will be like one of the very few positive comments I make about Kindred of the East. I actually think their version of Dumpir is yeah. okay. I just can't remember how it works. That's my off the top of my head. It's a lot more complicated. Yeah, I don't know if I have that book. Anyway. Eisenkrutzer says, how do you feel the changed cost to enchanting mortals in C20 impacts the stories you can tell about enchanted characters? I mm. don't like the changed cost in C20 for enchanting. I think it's too much. Like everything else, glamour is easier to do, but this is harder. All it does is just drive story forward. It's not like enchanting someone automatically. It's not, it's not even like ghouling someone. It's, just taking a character and bringing them into the game like more fully. Why would you need to restrict that more? I don't... That being said, I, I have two thoughts in response to this. First, it is much harder or at least much more glamour expensive to enchant mortals in C20, but because glamour is so much easier to get, it's like, yeah. <laughs> you know, so in that sense, I think in general, telling stories about Kinane doesn't need to be any rarer in C20. Mm -hmm. But the other piece is that... Or Enchanted Mortal specifically is what's different. It's not the Kinane, but Kinane's different too. Well, uh, yeah, Kinane and Enchanted. But I'd have to look at the mechanics again to remember this exactly. If I remember correctly, though, in C20, the enchantment is directly corresponds to the amount of glamour that you pump in, Mm -hmm. right? Whereas in this book and i think elsewhere in the earlier editions, yeah, I think second edition so. it's a little bit more of a function of the person you're enchanting mm-hmm. so like here the level of fairy blood in the person affects the formula which i don't think is a thing in c20 but oh, oh to... it's no it's because kinane are permanently enchanted in c20 right yeah okay right of course oh this is so complicated um but non-kinane yeah it's very expensive Unless they do this weird thing that can only be done once and then they can never be enchanted again. Right, the ritual, right, right, right. But then I think what that does, like setting it up with the, you know, one glamour corresponds to a day. I feel like in C20, there's much more of a countdown clock Mm -hmm. in the background. Not that that's a good or a bad thing. It just changes the kinds of stories Mm -hmm. that you tell. I do also think the sort of glamour cost focused aspect of it means that you're probably better suited to enchanted characters as like temporary allies in mm-hmm. your story rather than the sort of family and friends and associates aspects and nuances that this book, yeah. The Enchanted has. And I like how this book has costs. There's risks to enchanting. Yes, yes. It's not all fun and games on mm-hmm. the other side of the dreaming. Mm-hmm. We should probably at some point do a full episode on Kinane and Enchanted as like a topic, but... Oh, there's a lot of topics. This this book has so many things we could do full episodes on. It's true. In fact, we kind of did do one on the uh, turning of the wheel and uh, your book a little bit. Oh, yeah. Okay. Thank you, listeners, for your questions. So, yeah, you can find uh, you can find our website, changelingthepodcast.com. You can find us on Facebook, Changeling the Podcast. We're on Mastodon Ta-da. at changelingpod at dice.camp you can email us podcast at changelingthepodcast.com and you can find our discord through our website changelingthepodcast.com we also have a patreon at www.patreon.com slash changelingthepodcast yeah so once again i'm josh i remain as ever puka and if you do find yourself being enchanted just remember you won't remember any of it
just just roll with it. Just roll with it. Go with the flow. Here at Changeling the Podcast, we encourage you to use all necromantic powers responsibly and to make sure you wear loose-fitting synthetic fabrics that resist tearing and effectively wick away moisture when entering any warp spasm battle frenzy. If you get blood on your battle frenzy clothes, remember to be wary of getting them laundered by any mysterious washerwomen at nearby fords. Otherwise, we also encourage you to leave us a review on the platform of your greatest listening convenience or possibly tell a fellow fan about our podcast. If you like our content and want to hear more, please consider visiting our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash podcast to show your support and get a shout-out at the end of each episode, like our current patrons, Derek, Raz Kabooz, Sanjager, Sija, and Terry Robinson. Thanks very much for listening, and until next time, keep on dreaming.